The generation known as Gen Z is made up of offspring born between 1995 and 2015. Yet many of them are already parents themselves. Many in the millennial Gen X and baby boom generations are now either parents, grandparents, or even great-grandparents. And all of these generations grew up in a time when marijuana was considered by many to just be part of growing up. So in weighing the risks against the rewards of this mysterious herb, what verdict should we come to when it comes to legalizing it? In fact, many states are not only legalizing marijuana for its medicinal benefits, but now for recreational use also. And our kids are taking notice. So what would you tell your children about marijuana? We'll find out next on Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome to Licensed to Parent, a program about being intentional and biblical in the way you raise your teens. The program is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, which is a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens and with their families. Our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace... Well, not that marijuana use hasn't been around for quite a long time, but what's your take on the fact that our country now appears to be on the brink of legalizing this substance all across the country? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll quote former Education Secretary uh, Bill Bennett, as I have many times before in this broadcast. Uh, but he said something quite profound in 2008. He said that America is rapidly becoming the kind of nation that civilized nations send missionaries to. Hmm. He was spot on. We can't make the mistake of thinking that our technological advancements uh, are a sure sign of or are on par with our civility, uh, neither individually nor as a citizenry. Uh, Few things are more dangerous than a technologically advanced heathen or barbarian. If anything, we're arguably more tribal as a nation than ever. But I'm certainly not saying that marijuana should be singled out as a preeminent reason for our nation's moral and civil decline. That's a huge topic for another program. But I do think that its recreational use and the increasing acceptance of its recreational use are just two of the many signs and symptoms of a much deeper spiritual and moral problem that we face today. Hmm. You and I were raised in what could also be called the hippie generation. That's the generation that seemed to jumpstart a lot of this mess Mm -hmm. in terms of drug use, uh, at least wide popularity of it. I mean, marijuana was around long before that. But I guess we could argue that we seem to turn out okay. Our kids seem to have turned out okay also. Would you agree? By the grace of God, you know. uh, But yeah, uh, but the difference between our upbringing and raising kids today with respect to marijuana anyway— is that adults in authority and prominence, whether they be parents, teachers, coaches, judges, legislators, businessmen, doctors, therapists, or whatever, would never have thought of endorsing marijuana use, with the exception of guys like Timothy Leary, of course. Whereas today, our kids are hearing from otherwise respected professionals that pot is as safe or as safe as alcohol, uh, more safe than alcohol, and should be legalized. Why? Because it's a natural herb that grows out of God's green earth. And our kids are hearing this in a time when the gods of pleasure, amusement, and entertainment are worshipped every day thanks to the proliferation of digital technology, uh, particularly smartphones. Narcissism and the seven deadly sins have practically become status symbols to today's generation rather than things to be ashamed of. Hippie generation baby boomers have occupied the White House in Washington now for the past four administrations. So for our kids, 
It's just easy to be lured into just another commonly accepted self-indulgence, especially when your authority figures and the very people you should be emulating are not only smoking marijuana themselves, but campaigning to legalize it, too. Our kids can watch daily podcasts of seemingly brilliant people like Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, no less, smoking pot together, all while they're doing interviews of unrestrained content and using unrestrained language at the same time. But to our kids... Yeah, you know, the novelty of, of this thing is rapidly becoming the norm. Yeah. You mentioned brilliance, but uh, in, in talking about people like Joe Rogan or Elon Musk, should brilliance really be our litmus test, though, for wisdom or for what is right or wrong, moral, or, or for whatever we may call the greater good? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. I mean, Hitler was brilliant. It takes brilliance to commit the perfect bank heist or mastermind a successful jailbreak. Other than wise and loving parents— trusted spiritual leaders, and a small remnant of other adults who haven't allowed themselves to become culturally induced lemmings, who's actually leading our kids toward the virtues of character and wisdom, responsibility, benevolence, civics, humility, kindness, temperance, chastity, diligence, patience, love, and objective truth anymore? I mean, Mm -hmm. who's teaching our kids these things? Maybe we should ask ourselves this question. Will smoking pot or legalizing it ultimately lead our kids and their posterity Closer to these virtues or further from them? But the bigger question is, will pot or has pot helped bring our citizenry to a place where all of these attributes I've just mentioned are even considered virtues anymore at all? I, I once asked one of our newly enrolled students at Shepherd's Hill what he wanted to be when he grew up. He said, I want to be a stay-at-home grandson, smoke weed, and watch TV in the basement. That was the sum total of this kid's ambition. Sadly, mm. He was serious. Yeah. Well, uh, Trace, to help us answer some of the questions like what's going on here and how do we talk to our kids about it, we have invited Alex Berenson to join us. Now, Alex was born in New York in 1973, which puts him a few years younger than us. He is just a few. uh, He's part of Gen X. Uh, He's a graduate from Yale University, though, back in 1994 with degrees in history and economics. And that uh, led him to work as a reporter at a number of major publications. In 1999, he joined the New York Times, covering everything from the drug industry to Hurricane Katrina. It also included two stints as a correspondent in Iraq. That's an experience that led him to write his debut novel, The Faithful Spy, which won the Edgar Award from the Mystery Writers of America for Best First Novel. Uh, He has now written 11 novels and one prior work of nonfiction called The Number, though we've invited him here today to talk about his recently released book called Tell Your Children, The subtitle is The Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. Incidentally, Alex now lives in Garrison, New York, with his wife, Dr. Jacqueline Berenson, uh, and with their children, Lucy and Ezra, their badly behaved dog, Maggie. And this may be a first for his trace, Maggie's dog, Teddy. (laughs) Alex, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Well, Trace, thanks so much for having me on. So, while many who occupy the largest stages and hold the loudest microphones are hailing the benefits uh, while minimizing the risks of marijuana, your book tells a different story. Uh, where's your biggest pushback coming from right now? Uh, well, it's coming both from the for-profit legalization community, these companies that have an interest in marketing uh, cannabis, um, and surprisingly to me, it's coming from the nonprofit, supposedly science-based uh, mostly, you know, quite liberal community of people who say, well, we want to 
we want to legalize cannabis, not because we want to get rich off it, but it's a social justice issue. But we're going to be honest about the risks. And, uh, you know, and it turns out that they, they don't want to be honest about the risks of this drug at all. <laughs> Is it because they want to smoke it themselves or they're on the ground floor of a new industry? I mean, I've considered that question quite a bit in the last two months since Tell Your Children has come out, and, and, and I've reached a couple of conclusions. The first is, uh, I think if, you're, if you want to legalize a banned substance, it's in your interest to have as many people use it as possible. That mm-hmm. normalizes it, and that creates a larger community of people who can use it, mm-hmm. um, you know, who are going to advocate for using it. Uh, a second reason is that even though these are, these are some nonprofit lobbying groups, they get money in some cases from the for-profit companies, so they're tied in that way. Um, and a third, a third reason is I think that they sort of view themselves still as still as these scrappy outsiders, and it's okay if they fudge the truth a little bit because yeah. they are fighting. You know, they're fighting for this this drug that is you know an outsider drug that isn't very popular that people uh, you know maybe have a, a bad impression of, and so if they have to fudge the truth. You know, so be it. What they don't realize is that actually. Nearly the entire elite media is on their side. Mm-hmm. They're funded by people like George Soros. They get, they get, they have large budgets. They are no longer the rebels. They're the establishment, and they need to start being more honest about the real risks here. Now you're exactly right. You know, our kids are buying this hook, line, and sinker. Pot is a much better, safer option for consumption than Grandpa's cough medicine, otherwise known as alcohol. What do you have to say uh-huh. about that? Well, you know, look, you can say to your children, neither alcohol nor cannabis is safe for you as somebody who's under 21, but marijuana is particularly unsafe because of its effects on the developing brain. Well, you claim that, that uh, a pot can lead to schizophrenia and violence. Many people, including many of our kids, will argue against that claim, citing correlation doesn't mean causation. How do you respond to that as a parent? Well, so, you know, the, the, the easy argument, the argument that the legalization community makes over and over is correlation doesn't equal causation. And, and that's true. But it's not just that a lot of people who use uh, cannabis get schizophrenic and that a lot of people with schizophrenia get violent. There's a lot of good biological evidence. There's a lot of studies that have been done that, that you know, that show why this link is likely to be real and how strong it is. I mean, I can go into the, you know, sort of the epidemiology in detail, but I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bore people with that. That's in the book. Um, but I'll say, I'll say this. There's never been a trial where we've given people, a hundred thousand people, we've given half of them cigarettes and half not, and said, you know, smoke for 20 years and see what happens to your lungs. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Technically, we've never proven thus that cigarettes cause lung cancer, but they do. So we know cigarettes cause yeah. lung cancer. There's tremendous evidence. Right. And the evidence that, that, that cannabis can cause schizophrenia is not quite as strong as that, but it's very strong. Yeah. Okay, so even when I was in high school, uh, you know, back in the Bronze Age, uh, you, you didn't need a PhD in any kind of science to tell the stoners from the jocks. What exactly were we witnessing there? I would say that marijuana changes people's personalities Mm -hmm. in a way that's often quite negative. It turns people inward and it sort of, it sort of makes you uh, prize sensation at the expense of emotion. So even with alcohol, you know, you hear about happy drunks or you hear about angry drunks, marijuana, you just hear about sort of the giggly stoner in a corner. And, and I think that that's a dangerous thing to produce. It produces a sort of solipsism. And, um, and selfishness, I think, in some users. You know, not in everybody, but I think it's an interesting drug for this time, right? When we're all on our phones too much, 
and we're all kind of withdrawing from the world anyway. I think, I think cannabis for some people can make that worse. Yep. So there's a lot of evidence beyond the psychosis risk. And the psychosis risk is what I highlight in, in Tell Your Children because right. to me it's so serious. And once you break your mind that way, you, you, you probably don't get it back. But there's considerable evidence that even sort of moderate use, even in people who aren't going to get psychotic, who aren't going to become schizophrenic, um, marijuana is not great for motivation. It certainly isn't good for your memory. It's very hard to learn anything if you can't remember anything. Um, there, there are studies that show that people who use regularly have, uh, have decreases in IQ, although I would say that that finding is not proven yet. There's evidence for it. Um, there's just a lot of evidence that regular cannabis use is bad for your brain. Yeah, you know, you say that, and, and I, I agree with it. I mean, I, again, I deal with troubled kids. I see what happens to their brain when it starts to rebuild over a period of a year. But you look at a guy like, you know, uh, Joe Rogan, who's like the, kind of a hero with a lot of the kids in the podcast world. A guy like Bill Maher and, and other actors and, and entertainers who, you know, have a wonderful ability to memorize lines and to to uh, make people laugh and to be on their game and very ambitious. I mean, they host, uh, you know, nationally syndicated programs. Are these people the exception to the rule and therefore an even uh, more dangerous uh, uh, token in this respect? Or what are we looking at here? They're almost like they're freaks of nature. They can abuse themselves. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. They, they, you know, they are almost freaks of nature. Look, if you're LeBron James, okay, and you're a great basketball player, and you blow out your knee, okay, you may still be able to play in the NBA after you recover, mm-hmm. even though you've had an injury that, you know, most of us can't even walk for, a, you know, for months after we've had. Yeah. But because he's so far ahead, he can lose a little bit and still be ahead. So these guys would be you better know, than Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think that's a reasonable way to look I at it. I think so. And I also think cannabis, some people... You know, some people can, it's like other drugs. There are people, there are some people out there, and you can call them lucky or unlucky, who seem to have an ability. And Rogan, I think, is one of them. I, I was on Rogan's podcast, and I, and I talked to him Well, that would interesting. I'd like to see, it, hear that. It, it, it was. It was really fascinating. Um, it was podcast number 1246, and uh, it's gotten almost 2 million views, uh, and I've gotten some interesting comments from it. But, you know, so Rogan, we were talking about it afterwards, and I said to him, you know, you seem like somebody who can use drugs you don't get addicted, and if you feel you're having a problem, you can sort of back off. And he said, yes, I think that's true. But a lot of people aren't like that, right? right? And the problem Most. is you don't really know who you are until it's too late. That's right. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Alex Berenson. He's a journalist. He's the author of a number of books, including the recently released Tell Your Children, The Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. And uh, Alex, when we come back, I want us to to talk about some of those arguments that we're likely to encounter from our teens. For example, prohibition didn't work, mom and dad. How do you how do you address that? We'll tackle some of those when we come back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. More conversation with Alex Berenson when we return. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. Prison. Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. 
you'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And uh, while there, you can find past conversations from this program. If you've missed an episode, please go back and dig through the archives, and you'll find a variety of topics being covered. Uh, Today, though, we're talking about marijuana use. Uh, It's being debated hotly across the country, whether to legalize it or not. And our guest today is Alex Berenson, who's a journalist and an author. He's written a book called Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. Alex, right before the break, I I was mentioning one of the arguments that a lot of people make, and that is, why not legalize it? After all, when we tried to make alcohol consumption illegal back during the Prohibition, that didn't work. What's your response to that? So so I think there's two important points that people should know about this. First of all, alcohol is much more widely used than cannabis. About 70% of Americans had a drink in 2017. Um, About 15% of American adults, I'm talking about, uh, or people over 12, used cannabis. So alcohol is much more part of our culture. Um, cannabis is used by a, by a relatively small group of people who use it heavily. So, so even though so many more people drink than use cannabis, almost the same number use daily. Eight million, more than eight million people use cannabis daily, and about 12 million people use alcohol daily. So what we're talking about really is not do we, you know, are we going to make this substance legal because everyone in the country uses it and we can't really stop them? The question is, do we want a large and for-profit industry that's going to push use of this drug? And basically, do we want to make it easier for these people who are using a lot, who may have a problem with it, to get this drug cheaply and to have, you know, accessibility in, you know, in storefronts? and to have it marketed to them. I don't think we need to go to full legalization. 
that doesn't mean we're going to put, you know, a lot of people in jail for cannabis either. I don't think that that's a good idea either. I favor decriminalization where you're not going to, you know, the police are not going to arrest people for, for using cannabis. They're certainly not going to, you know, chase people in the privacy of their own homes for using cannabis. I, I think there's a reasonable compromise to be made here. But, you know, the, 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 the legalization lobby basically says, oh, well, there's all these people in jail who wouldn't be in jail you know, if they hadn't been arrested for cannabis. And that's not really true. You know, even in states in the South where there are a few people who are actually in jail for marijuana possession, it's a tiny fraction of the overall prison population. So, yeah. so the idea that legalization, you know, that, that, that our jails are filled with nonviolent drug offenders mm-hmm. is, is actually completely untrue. Mm-hmm. What, what about, uh, though, kind of following the same line of thought, uh, that if you legalize it, you therefore can regulate it and keep at least what's coming out into society uh, of more consistent quality and uh, safer, if you will, in the same way that alcohol is regulated. So to me, that's actually a better argument. Um, and But by the way, that applies to every illegal drug. We could say that sure. about heroin. We could say, you know, people are overdosing on fentanyl, so we should legalize heroin and let people buy it and know that it's pure. You have to weigh the, the harm of the substance itself against these issues that happen when, when it's not legally allowed sure. to be sold. And, you know, obviously for heroin and cocaine, it's clear that would be a terrible idea. Increasing access would produce so many problems, get so many people addicted, kill so many people, that there's no way that's a good idea. For cannabis, I think, in my view, you know, not that they're not that cannabis is nearly as dangerous as heroin or cocaine, but on balance, it's still not a good idea to increase access. So yes, there is going to be a little bit of a problem with people not knowing exactly what they're getting. But the truth is, most people who use marijuana are not using marijuana that's been laced with anything. It's not, you know, it's not been caught with, you know, adulterated with PCP or anything like that. Pure THC or, you know, or, or the, the amount of THC that's in modern, uh, you know, flower marijuana, herbal marijuana that you smoke is, is, is enough to get people plenty high all on their own. They do not need adulterated products. Well, I, I think parents ought to get this book uh, for their kids for Christmas <laughs> or their birthday and make it require reading because uh, uh, you do bring some pretty compelling evidence that uh, this stuff does jumpstart uh, mental illness and violence. So many of our kids think that pot is just, you know, uh, a vehicle to healing, fun, uh, but you're linking it to serious mental health. Uh, risks, but are the risks versus the reward? I can't tell you the, the stories that I've heard from parents since the book came out, and some of them are truly horrifying. I heard from a doctor in Texas who, whose 15-year-old son uh, started using, almost immediately became addicted. He was at a you know private Christian school, and he, he had to drop out. He, he went to a public high school, continued to use, barely graduated, um, didn't go to college, so he you know, started to earn a little bit of money working on his own. Basically put that money to use buying more marijuana. Ultimately uh, became psychotic when he was 19, you know, was hospitalized briefly. When he was discharged a few days later, shot himself in the head and oh, killed himself. And, 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 and the father said to me, you know, we're a Christian family. We believe, you know, essentially we'll see him again in heaven, whole and well. And like, to me, that's 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 not a good enough answer. We need to stop this from happening now. Yeah, no, I agree. Here, in I, this world. Like a lot of other things, we have not yet exhausted the science on this issue, and they might find it, some things that would would shock us. But why is the pot so much stronger today than it was 
uh, when you know my buddies were smoking it in the seventies and sixties. Well, it, it started because users want it to be stronger, mm-hmm. and because again, you can habituate yourself. Your, well, your brain can build up a real tolerance to the effects of THC. Mm-hmm. So, so somebody can use uh, somebody who's an experienced user can use the equivalent of a um, hundred drinks of tea. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. A hundred drinks wow. in a day. Um, and because, because it's not a physically toxic in the way that alcohol is, you can, you, people can wind up using really massive doses of THC. Mm. Um, and so to get that, you know, you don't want to smoke a hundred joints. You want, uh, you know, five really strong joints, or in some cases, in many cases, people are vaping pure THC. In other words, they're inhaling what is a mm. purified, uh, oil through, through, uh, through vape pen. Yeah. Well, you just you just touched on something that Trace and I have talked about on this program a number of times, and that is sort of what the the pleasure response might be to smoking marijuana. And uh, a lot of people will argue, no, marijuana is not an addictive drug, but you've also used uh, terms like habit forming or you know a, a habitual user. If if we are constantly stimulating our pleasure centers through regular use of marijuana, then pretty soon that or stimulus... Or any other pleasure. True, but pretty soon that stimulus no longer stimulates it enough. It's a law of diminishing returns. Exactly. So now you need more, now you need more. And so the argument, well, it's not a gateway drug. Chemically, it may not be, um, but it emotionally it is if you are are damaging or diminishing the pleasure centers of the brain. Uh, any thoughts uh, I, on that? I think... I, I think that's absolutely correct. And by the way, there's evidence in sort of preclinical studies, in rat studies, that it is actually chemically a gateway drug, that it actually primes the brain to be more responsive to the effects of opioids. So, yeah. so that it's not just, it's not just a theoretically a gateway drug, it's actually uh, you know, pharmacologically a gateway drug. But I also think you're right about that. I mean, I think the idea that telling people who are at high risk for, for, for heroin addiction um, that they should use a different addictive drug so that they don't use heroin is a terrible it's insane. idea. We should be discouraging people who are yeah. risk from addiction from using drugs. Well, our our time is up for today, unfortunately. Alex, you've been very gracious to, to grant us this time, and we are excited to look more deeply into your new book, Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. And uh, I uh, would would the best place to find that be uh, online, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, that sort uh, of thing. Amazon, ex- exactly, all those places. And, and also, I just like to say, you know, one last thing, which is, I hope you know what, whatever happens with the debate around legalization in the United States, and certainly if a Democrat is elected in twenty twenty, I think there'll be a big push for full national legalization. I hope that the book, in some ways, gives. Not just parents the tools they need to talk to their kids, but if you're, you know, if you're an 18 year old kid or a 20, you know, 25 year old young adult, and you've been using, and you're starting to have weird thoughts, and and, and you're starting to wonder what what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I I hope the book can actually help some of those people, and and I've heard from some of those people, and to me that's that's almost more satisfying than hearing from the parents. So you know, I don't know how many of those you know those people are out there listening to to your show, but but I really do hope. That um, you know that, that that if there are some of them out there, they'll consider reading the book. Yeah, well, you know, we, we I go around the country talking about the, the dangers of digital technology, and I got to tell you, you and I are both whipping a horse that no one wants to ride. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. But but I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm praying that your book will be a success uh, and sell uh, millions of copies because. Uh, 
kids and parents alike need to hear it. Yeah. Alex, thanks so much for being well, with th- us. Thanks for having me. And that's all the time we do have for today's Licensed to Parent. Again, you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Uh, as we have said many times before, if you've missed a past program, you're invited to check it out even now by going uh, to our archives on licensedtoparent.org. While you're there, you can also find Trace's blog, and you can learn more about our parent ministry, Shepherd's Hill Academy. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time and once again renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.